Heavenly Father, we cannot thank you enough for being a God who talks to sinners such as we. We do not deserve to hear the sound of your voice, but in your mercy, in your love for us, you speak through your word. Lord, we thank you for this book of Hebrews. We thank you for the encouragement that it has been to us thus far. Lord, we continue to pray that you will help us to understand what you have said, even though it is centuries and centuries of years old, it still applies to us today. And we pray that you may apply it to our hearts by your Holy Spirit this morning so that we are strengthened as we listen to your word from the living God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think many of you are quite well aware that I love to eat. And I love to eat things that people would say are pretty bad for you, that others would say you shouldn't do that, Joel. Uh, Some of you are aware, I think, of my favourite form of coffee. I get a, a mug, I pour in pure fresh cream into it, fill it right up to the limit. Don't add water, don't do anything like that, don't add milk. Then add your coffee in, add some sugar, put it in the microwave, heat it up to coffee temperature and then drink it. Straight cream with coffee and sugar. It is wonderful. I don't think there's any other experience in my mouth that I've experienced that way. It is fantastic. But people say to me, how can you do that, Joel? How can you drink straight cream? Well, I say it's very easy. You just put it to your mouth and drink it in. And they say, but how can you do that? when it's, of course, terrible for you. And I say, why is it so bad? It tastes wonderful. They say, well, you'll have a heart attack soon if you keep going that way. I say, well, what's so bad about a heart attack? They say, well, that can kill you, and you won't be here any longer. The cream that you drink will kill you if you don't watch out, Joel. And, of course, that is something that is a bit of a reality check for all of us. When we are eating, we start to think about how this might affect our longevity of life because we are afraid to die. We know death catches up with all of us at some point and we are afraid of death coming. And this morning I want to look at our fear of death. I want to look at death and whether we should be afraid of death. Is it something that we should fear the end of our lives that is fast approaching? And I think the author of Hebrews has some very good advice for us here about how to conquer death, how to conquer our fear of death. And so there's my first main point this morning we have to get under our belt if we're going to conquer the fear of death is about Jesus Christ. So it's not about death itself, it's about Jesus Christ. And so my first main point is that Jesus shared in our humanity. If we're going to understand death, we firstly up front have to understand that Jesus shared in our humanity. So that's my first main point. They're on the bulletin there at the back, my uh, main points this morning if you want to follow along. But my first main point this morning is that Jesus shared in our humanity. And we see this in our text from Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, page 1185, 1185 of the Black Church Bibles. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, 
What do we read? Verse 14, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. Jesus shared in our humanity. He became fully human just like we are. And he uses two words there to show how human he was. What are they? Flesh and blood. He was 100% human. And as we read the Gospels, we see this again and again. We see that Jesus was completely human. We see it by the way that he was born. He was born, he was conceived a little bit uh, differently from the rest of us, but he nevertheless had a human birth. Uh, and he would have been crying as he came out and uh, looked a bit of a mess, needed a bath. Uh, he had a full human birth. And then we see he grew up. He grew in wisdom and stature, the Bible tells us, so he, he developed. And, of course, we see that he experiences the things that humans experience. He experiences hunger. It wasn't like Jesus never got hungry. He sort of lived on some sort of divine energy. No, he had to eat. And he got tired. If he had been on a long journey, walking a long way, he wanted to sit down and have a bit of a break, just like I do. If I ever want to walk even a couple of blocks, I sort of want to have a sit down. Jesus was the same. He got thirsty. He knew what it was to feel like, I really, really need a drink of water right now. He was 100% human. He got thirsty. And he felt the things that we feel. He felt pain. And he felt emotional pain, not just physical pain. We see him at the cross in terrible suffering physically, but we see emotional pain throughout his life. He knew what it was to lose someone who was dear to him, to die. We see him weep at the tomb of Lazarus. We see him troubled as he's going to the cross. He's worried about going to the cross and what that will entail. He experiences emotional pain throughout his life. He is fully human. But all the while, Jesus remained fully God. We've got to remember he's 100% human, as this text tells us, but he's also 100% God. Throughout the New Testament, we're told again and again that Jesus is God. And we see it by the way that he lives as well. We see the miracles that he does. That people say no one has done miracles the way this man does. He gets in a boat, a storm comes up, he says stop and everything stops. Amazing miracles that he does. And we see it by the way that he knows things. He knows what people are thinking in their minds. That's a bit of a scary thought. If all of us were that way inclined, we, wouldn't wanna, uh, we don't like people prying into our heads. But Jesus was fully God. And he was able to read what people were thinking in their minds. And he did things that only God can do. And the big one that really ticked the religious leaders off was he forgave sins. He said to people, your sins are forgiven. And they just said, that is for God alone. But Jesus is showing when he forgives sins that he is God. And then, of course, we see that he tells people he is God. And the New Testament tells us again and again that he is God. And we see him do something that only people do to God, and that is worship him. People bow down and worship him as God, showing that he is in truly divine being. So he's fully human and fully God. And we have to understand that if we're going to conquer death, we have to get that under our belts in understanding that he is fully human and fully God. All the bad heresies throughout church history always seek to deny one of those two. They will move in some direction and they often want to deny his full humanity in some way. 
There's one heresy called Apollinarianism, which believes that Jesus had a human body, but his mind, it was divine mind. So he had a full human body, but in his mind he was divine, and his spirit was divine as well. So he didn't have a full human spirit. But of course that's heresy, because Jesus is 100% human, the Bible tells us. Another heresy is Nestorianism, which of course says that Jesus was two separate persons. It's named after a guy uh, who... uh, Uh, It was a lot more political than just him putting forward the heresy. Uh, But uh, people said that Jesus at times would have a human side, and so he'd do something, uh, he'd get hungry as a human, but then he would do a miracle as a divine being. And so you go through the New Testament and you chop and change and say, here Jesus is human, here he is divine. And so he's constantly changing back and forth, which is heresy. Jesus was fully human and fully divine at the same time. There's another type of heresy called Eutychianism. They're all named after um, people who put them forward. Uh, But what he said is that Jesus became both God and man and they intermingled in such a way that he's really not God and he's really not human. He became a third type of thing. So God is one type, we are another. Jesus is in the middle as some sort of third being. Not quite human, not quite God, something else where they've intermingled. And that's heresy as well. We've got to accept that Jesus is fully human, fully God. And then the last heresy, which we see pop up in the pages of the New Testament rather rapidly, is that Jesus just wasn't human. He appeared to be human. He looked like it. And this is uh, a, a lot of different heresies all under the umbrella of Gnosticism, that we think Jesus was just appearing to be human rather than fully human. So he just looked like he was God, but just appeared to be human. But they're all wrong. Jesus was fully human and fully God, and we just have to accept it. I can't tell you how it is true. All I can tell you is that the Bible says both facts and somehow they fit together. It's what we call a paradox, not a contradiction. It is a paradox. God can make it work that Jesus is fully human and fully divine. So that's what you need to understand first. Jesus is human if you're going to understand how to conquer death. The second thing you have to understand is that you are a slave to the fear of death. Jesus is human. That's him. What do you need to know about you? You are a slave to the fear of death. And that's what he tells us in the next part of the verse. If you've got a church Bible, it's page 1185, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, we read, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. What are you? You're a slave. What are you a slave to? Fear of death. And you're also a slave to Satan because he is the one that holds the power of death. That's what it says there in the text. Verse 14. Him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. You are a slave to the devil through being a slave to the fear of death. How do we show uh, that we are afraid of death? Is the Bible right in saying this? Well, people do show fear of death. We fear many things about death. 
We don't need the Bible to tell us that we're afraid of death, do we? What do we fear about death? Well, we fear pain, physical pain. We're very much afraid of how we might die. Are we going to die a horrible, painful death? Or are we going to go to sleep one night and not wake up again? How are we going to die? Will someone kill us in some horrible way? We're afraid to die, the physical pain that will come with death. We're also afraid of the loss of loved ones, that we have to leave people behind, and how they might react when we leave. When I'm no longer here, what will my wife, Jill, think? How will she experience that? It's a painful thought for me to have about my death. How people who love me dearly will react. We're also afraid of a fear of failure, that we won't get done all the things that we want to do. We have our lives mapped out ahead of us. We plan to do all these things, go overseas, do all this uh, work, accomplish greatness, accumulate lots of money. And some people even, after they've done all those things and they know they're near the end of their life, what do they develop? A bucket list. They, uh, a list of things that they're going to do before they kick the bucket. There's a famous movie came out fairly recently where they go through and they have all these things that they're going to do. The bucket list. And we fear that we won't get the bucket list done. We won't get to have all the experiences that we want to before we die. I think we also fear a loss of control because our death is beyond our control. We can't stop it. It is coming and we can't do anything about it. And we, maybe not so much you, but I love to be independent. I love to control my life. And it's scary to think that I can't control that aspect of my life. What do they say? There's two things that are always certain, death and taxes. Well, you can control your taxes to some extent, but you can't control your death. And it's it's something that we're very much afraid of. And then the last thing, the big thing that we're afraid of with death is the fear of punishment. Because we know we do bad things through our lives. And we fear that when we close our eyes in death, we may wake up on another side where there is a judge who is all-powerful and we cannot escape. And he will punish us for the bad things that we have done in this life. And so we are very much afraid to die because we have this unknown after the grave. What will happen to me? And particularly, what will be done to me because of what I've done in this life? The crimes that I've committed, the hateful thoughts I've had, will I be punished for those after I die? And so, people are afraid of death. And we see that they do crazy things to try and keep off their death. Out of a reaction to fear of death, they try to hold off their death. And so they do things like exercise constantly, which I um, try not to do too much of myself, but they exercise, which is a bit of a crazy thing. Uh, They also eat all good things that are meant to be good for your body, but taste terrible. And uh, they just consume vegetables, fruit. They're constantly aware of their diet. They're trying to hold off their death. They're afraid to die. And they pop vitamins and these kinds of things. And even uh, some people do really strange people, uh, strange things like 
drink mud and different things that come from certain rivers or certain waters. They, they are seeking something that makes them really healthy and so they won't die. And then one of the big clues of whether someone's afraid of death is the sin that they do. So many sins are committed out of fear of death through what people can do to you. So you're afraid of death and you know that other people can affect your death. And so you sin to hold off your death. How do you do this? Well, you can start by telling lies. Pretty clear example. If someone says, if you don't do this, I will kill you. Or if you don't believe this, this has happened through uh, church history. If you don't become uh, a member of a particular religion, you will die. So what do you do? Oh, yes, I believe in what you're teaching. Oh, yes, 100%. And so you stay alive. You aren't burnt at the stake. No, no, you're all good because you've lied. You're afraid to die, and so you're afraid of people, and so you tell a lie to escape death. And people commit even seriouser sins than that, more serious sins than that. They kill others. Why do people murder others? Why do people go to war? Because they're afraid that the other people are going to come and kill them. That's why we go to war. That's why we attack other countries, so that we'll be, we'll be okay. If we are the ones who rule the world, our chance of dying is going to be pretty good, uh, is not going to be as bad. We take over other countries. We kill our enemies so that we will be safe and so we don't have to be afraid of death. And then, of course, the other way that we commit sin out of fear of death is by being greedy for money and for power. Why do you want money so much? Because you're afraid that if you don't have money, you won't have a place to live, you won't have food to eat, you won't have clothes to wear. And what happens when you don't have a place to live, food to eat, clothes to wear? You've got a pretty high chance of dying. And so you want lots of money so that you'll always have a nice place to live where you have a hot shower in the morning, you have plenty of soap, you'll have the medical care that you need, you'll have lots of food to eat, you won't die from lack of food, from starvation, and so you are greedy for money so that you will be able to live a long life. And so what do you do when you're greedy for money? Well, you steal it from others. You cheat others out of what you owe them. This can be as simple as cheating on your taxes, just saying to the government that you have a lower income than you actually do because you want more money. Or you can steal it from others directly. There are lots of ways that you can steal from others. You can steal all kinds of things from them so that you have more. And, of course, the other way that you can uh, show your greed for money and, and your sin is just by simply not being generous. Generous people give away money. People who are not generous don't give it away. They're afraid of dying. They're afraid, if I give away my money, I'm not going to have enough and I'm going to die much sooner. And so they're afraid to give away their money because they're afraid of death. So people show that they are slaves to the fear of death. The scriptures are quite true here where it says that you are a slave to the fear of death. And do, do any of those things conquer death? Sin, does that conquer death? 
No, it just might postpone it a little, but it can't get rid of death altogether. And doing crazy things like exercise and eating properly, it can't hold off your death either. It won't stop it altogether. It will come. So how do we conquer this fear of death? We recognise we are afraid of death. We recognise that Jesus is human. How can we be set free from death? Well, my third main point this morning tells you how. Jesus set you free from the fear of death by dying a human death. This is what this text is all about. Read again, verse 14, Hebrews chapter 2. Since the children have flesh and blood, he, that's Jesus, too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Jesus conquers your fear of death. How does he do it? Well, he disarms Satan. He destroys Satan, it says there. By his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death. Now, the word destroy there can, uh, in our English language, can have that connotation of annihilate, completely wipe something out. Well, that's probably not the best uh, translation there. It can also mean disarm. And so what Jesus has done, he hasn't destroyed Satan. Satan's still very much a reality in this world. Uh, you cannot think that Satan is not around. Yes, he is. And if you, don't, if you don't pay attention to that fact, you'll get into lots of trouble. No, Satan is very much alive, but he's disarmed. What is he disarmed of? Death. It says there, he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That power of death has been taken from him. And so you can be set free from slavery to the fear of death. And how does Jesus disarm him? What does it say? So that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death. By Jesus' death he disarms Satan. Now how does Jesus' death disarm Satan though? Jesus just died. How's that affect me? What's his death got to do with me? Well his death was very much a human death. And he died a substitute for all those who will believe in his death for them. Because he was also God. Remember I told you, you've got to hold in your hand that he is fully human and fully God. Without those two things, Jesus' death is useless to you. If he's fully human, that means he can be a fully human substitute for you. If he's fully uh, fully divine, fully God, it means... His death is of infinite value. It means that he can die not just for one other person in the world, he can die for multiple people. And so at the cross, we don't see Jesus just dying a normal death. We see him dying a death of great pain, of great punishment, because at the cross he is dying a death for you. He is taking the punishment that you will experience when you die for your sins. The punishment that goes on and on for eternity in hell, he takes that and dies that death for you. So at the cross, he experiences hell for you if you will believe that it is true for you. And so that means you do not have to be afraid of death any longer. Yes, you will die. 
And yes, there are some things about death that you will still be afraid of. You'll be afraid of the pain that might come with death. If you get burnt at the stake, that's going to be pretty painful compared to dying in your sleep. And so you can be afraid of how you're going to die for the physical pain. You can also be afraid of death for the reason that you're going to lose people, that people are going to mourn you going. But the big fear of death, the punishment that comes for eternity afterwards, is gone. That fear of punishment is completely gone. And so you do not have to be afraid of death. Yes, the pain will be there maybe, but it'll be a quick pain compared to eternity of suffering in hell. And losing loved ones will be painful, the thought of that. But if they're Christians, you'll see them again on the other side. There will be great reunion in heaven. So those little fears are really small in comparison to the big fear of death, the eternal punishment that you deserve for your sins. And so I want to ask you this morning, are you afraid of death? And particularly, are you afraid of being punished for your sins? Maybe you are, because you're not a Christian. You've never trusted in Jesus' death for you. You've never said sorry to God for your sins. Well, I want to encourage you this morning to start not being afraid of death. This morning, you can conquer your fear of death. What do you have to do? You have to admit you are a sinner. Say sorry to God. Yes, I am guilty. And then say to God, I trust that Jesus died the death that I am supposed to die. He took my punishment on the cross. And then you are free. You are set free from your fear of death. And you can know that you are free. How do we know that Jesus really did do that? Because he came back to life. The resurrection is what Christianity stands upon. If Jesus died and then didn't come back to life, well, he might have died for my sins, but don't really know. But the fact that he came back to life shows God was pleased with him and the fact that he was able to appear to people and tell them that their sins are forgiven if they trust in his death shows that he really did it. He really died. And so you can have that too if you repent of your sins and believe in Jesus' death and that his resurrection proves he really did pay for your sins. Maybe you say that you're not afraid of death. You're a Christian. You have repented. You have believed in Jesus' death for you. Well, I want to encourage you this morning to live like it. Live like you're not afraid of death. So many Christians still appear to be afraid of death. And it's interesting how many non-Christians pick up on this. I've been reading uh, The God Delusion by Richard Dawkins. I have um, read it before, but I thought I might give it another go around. I've read it many years ago. And so I've been working my way through it. And I've actually been uh, seeing that Richard Dawkins, the famous atheist, if you aren't aware of who Richard Dawkins is, he um, is very popular, what do you call him, pin-up boy for atheism, Uh, he is uh, quite right in many of the things that he says in this book. And I think that's why it's so popular. 
is because he criticises many things about Christianity which we should be ashamed of. Many of the arguments we use for Christianity, that Christianity is true, are stupid arguments to use, and he criticises them rightly. And so I think that's why he's so popular. And one of the things that he points out about Christians is that they don't seem to be afraid to die. I was just reading this yesterday. He says, When a devout Christian woman is told by the doctor that she has only months to live, why doesn't she beam with excited anticipation as if she has just won a holiday? I can't wait. Why don't faithful visitors at her bedside shower her with messages for those that have gone before? Do give my love to Uncle Robert when you see him. Why don't religious people talk like that in the presence of the dying? Could it be that they don't really believe all that stuff they pretend to believe? Is that true of you? Has Richard Dawkins made a right comment about you, that you are someone who does not really believe all that stuff you pretend to believe? Are you still afraid to die? If you're a Christian, you shouldn't be afraid to die. Yes, you can fear the physical pain, you can fear the loss of loved ones, but you should not be afraid to die in the way that everybody else is afraid to die. How do you show that you're not afraid to die? Well, don't sin like you are afraid of death. Don't be afraid of people taking away your house, taking away your money, taking away your clothes, your food. Don't sin at work so that you make more money. Don't sin by lying on your taxes so that you make more money and so that you'll be more secure. Don't do it, because when you do it, you are showing you are afraid of death, which you shouldn't be. If you truly believe you are safe, then you won't do it. So don't sin. It's plain and simple. If you're not afraid of death, don't sin. And if you're not afraid of death, live joyously. Live happily. Do you realise how many things you let yourself get down about that are really inconsequential? They pale in comparison to the fact that the greatest fear of your life, dying and being eternally punished, has been completely removed. That is the worst thing that can happen to you, and it's eradicated. So why should you let little, small things get you down? We should be excited, happy people all the time. But what happens? People have this caricature about Christians that they're unhappy, mournful people going around somber all the time. It shouldn't be the way. We should be excited. We should be so happy because the worst thing that can happen to us is gone. Punishment for our sins. It's being removed in Jesus Christ. And if you want to show that you're not afraid of death and you want to conquer that fear, I want to encourage you to continue reading your Bibles. If you as a Christian sometimes are afraid of your death, read your Bibles. Read the New Testament. Study it and recognise that there is very, very reliable evidence that you are safe. Because Satan is still there and he will put doubts in your mind and you'll be afraid that somehow on the other side of the grave you will still be punished. What is the antidote to that? Study the scriptures. Study the resurrection accounts of Jesus Christ. 
read apologetic books that make a defense for the Christian faith, that line up all the evidences, one after the other, to show that the Bible is a historically reliable document and telling the truth that Jesus really did come back to life. No other religion has the evidence that we have against death that a man died and came back to life and it is true and contained in a historically reliable document. No other religion has that. That is your antidote to the fear of death. If you are a Christian, continue reading your Bibles, continue recognising that Jesus did come back to life. And so then you, as someone who has said sorry for your sins, believe that Jesus has died for you, are safe and you have no fear of death whatsoever. Let us speak with our God now. Heavenly Father, we do recognise that we are so afraid to die. And this comes out of a recognition deep down within us that we are sinners and that there is a God and he will punish us for our sins. But Lord, it is so wonderful that we do not need to be afraid of death because you in your love sent your son Jesus Christ to die the death we're supposed to die. In Jesus, we see the death of death. Lord, we pray that we may affirm that for ourselves, that you may set us free from slavery to death as we repent of our sins and believe in his death for us. Lord, we pray for us as Christians that we may not sin and we may particularly not sin through a fear of death, through a fear of not having enough money, through a fear of not having people uh, look after us, that they may kill us. Lord, we pray that you may help us to not be afraid of anyone because we are safe with you. And Lord, we pray that you may give us great joy in the fact that we are not afraid to die. May it be written all over our face every day. May people look at us as Christians and say, what makes you so happy? And may we respond with the fact that we are not afraid of death. And Lord, we pray that you may help us to study your word, to understand that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is indeed true, and so his death for us is indeed true as well. We pray that we may be much in your word and that that may conquer the fear of death that so easily slips back into our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.